Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Thy Strong Word. I'm Pastor A.J. Espinosa. We're reading the entire Bible together out loud, chapter by chapter, and book by book right now. We've covered uh, two books in this kind of big grand finale here, going out with style here in 2020. We've got Job, we did Genesis, and now we're looking at Leviticus. And I know you're thinking, oh man, like what a way to lose momentum early. No, no, no. This is a, this is a really neat chapter in Leviticus. It is part of the narrative. It's a story here. Um, yeah, it's the deaths of Nadab and Abihu. This is a, this is a, is a pretty key event um, in the Pentateuch that, you know, you get this uh the, the priesthood being established you know the the aaronic line being established and then right off the bat disaster strikes so it's something that we we looked at a long uh ways ago uh when we were looking at numbers but it's interesting here in Leviticus, you get a little bit of a different take on it compared to what you see in numbers um and it kind of helps bring out some uh <laughs> like dare, dare I say some some different nuances in the aroma? So uh, yeah, <laughs> joining us today we've got as our guest Pastor Nate Ruback, pastor at Grace Lutheran Chapel in Bellefontaine, Neighbors, Missouri. Welcome back, brother. It's good, good to morning, have you pastor. with us. How are you? Doing all right. How's it going? Good. Yeah, going well. Yeah, it's a kind of a cold, dreary day in St. Louis today, but a beautiful day in the Lord, and looking forward to. Leading worship and giving thanks tomorrow on Thanksgiving Day, so yeah. it is a good day. It's a good day to be in His Word. It is, it is, and uh, it, it's it, it's it's very interesting. I think um, Thanksgiving, going into Thanksgiving this year, because I, I feel like uh, there, there's been like a very like widespread kind of meme like oh 2020, you know, like you know, I I, th- I expect that when we do New Year's this this year, there's gonna be a lot of like you know good riddance 2020 kinds of like themes and things like that but um you know it is it is really amazing when you really stop and think about it just how much we have to be thankful for um in the midst of all this like it's it's really quite a lot and and I don't think we should be maybe so quick to join in with the oh like there's just you know the, what what a bad year um I don't know what 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 do you do you have any kind of just maybe that's a little bit off topic <laughs> Yeah, I, you know, I agree with you. I think um, I think our people in our churches, you know, all across the country, all across the world, you know, kind of grieve and lament what's happened in 2020. You know, our Easter celebrations weren't what they are. Our Sundays, yeah. our weekend worships aren't what they are. And yet, through all the the guidelines, the restrictions, you know, the the point is is that people of God have always been through trials, and yet God remains God. Jesus yep. has always been Jesus. And if there is one big thing that we give thanks for is the fact that Jesus will always be who he says he is. He will always act as he promises. And, I mean, even in the face of of sickness and illness and death and loss, what a beautiful thing to know that um, that our God and our Savior is still the same. The scripture says yesterday, today, and tomorrow, right? He's He isn't going to be the one that changes. Um, a pastor friend of me, a friend of mine once told me that he said, uh, you look at the words of Psalm 23 and that valley of the shadow of death isn't just the moments of our death, but it's all of these dark, deep valleys. And he said that our, our savior is the one who walks with us to the valley, carries us through and who's the savior on the other side to pull us out of the valley. Yeah. And that's something to be thankful for no matter what's going on in our earthly life. 
And I think, I think that really complements what we were talking about yesterday when we looked at Genesis 45, and then in chapter 46 we saw that line um, where God promises Jacob, Joseph will will close your eyes. Um, the the idea, like you were saying, that Jesus is with us on both sides of the of the valley of the shadow of death, and, and we saw that in, the, in these last two chapters. How I mean, think about Job. Think about um, you know the story of Joseph. I mean, disaster absolutely. left and right. Oh, absolutely. But it, it's it's in those it's in the midst of disaster where where you where you see God in some ways showing up most clearly. I mean, just think about that. Like if. If that if that disaster had hadn't happened in the case of Job or hadn't happened in the case of Joseph, what we would then be lacking, right? Sure. In, in hindsight, yeah. as a part of our tradition. So I mean, it really is something to think about that. And I think that, um, and I think there's probably like a lot of good that hasn't been getting a lot of attention. And Lord willing, will come to further light uh, as time goes on that we will be able to look back at a lot of this and see um, just how gracious God has been um, oh, in the midst of all these things. Yeah. But, yep. Well, uh, yeah, and, and I think that today is uh, is, is kind of in that same line, right? Disaster strikes very quickly, yeah. but but God being gracious in the midst of it. Um, mm-hmm. Well, I, I wanna, I'm going to ask for maybe if you can like get us up to speed maybe at this point here in Leviticus in just a moment here, but if you would actually start us off with a prayer as we get going here. Absolutely. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, it is a good and gracious day. It is a day that you have given to us. It is a day to not only uh, live in the glory and forgiveness that you give us, but but to also um, see the opportunities that you allow us to be your hands and feet to the people around us. It is a time where people are hurting, people are anxious, um, and, and we as your children have the privilege and opportunity to care for one another. Lord, as we're in your word today, I pray that it is a moment of strengthening our faith, that it is bringing us closer to your promises and to the promises of Jesus. I pray that this time is spirit-filled, that it would continue to grow and strengthen our faith. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. So, yeah, uh, a lot happens in in the scriptural narrative between the the Israelite, well, the family of Jacob, right, going down to be with Joseph in Goshen, and uh, and this chapter, <laughs> in Leviticus yeah. chapter 10. Yeah. But, I was joking uh, earlier that it's such an uplifting, you know, if you just kind of read it for what it is and, and just cling to the first couple of verses of chapter 10, it's like, wow, this is a, this is a pleasant, uplifting chapter. <laughs> <laughs> right, yeah, I know. Yeah. Yeah, yeah well, you yeah, know, certainly. Um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's sort of like, it kind of feels like from like disaster to disaster in, in some ways, but... Um, I, I don't. I, I don't know. I mean, I, I think. I think uh, everyone's, um, you know, kind of got like a sense of, oh, right, okay, there was an, there was an exodus uh, between last time and and, and this time. That, that was what was predicted in Genesis chapter forty six. God said, "Don't be afraid, Jacob, uh, to go down to Egypt. I'm going down with you, and I'll be coming up with you." Um, so then, maybe I don't know if you just speak maybe like a little bit to this point here, where because we're going to go ahead and read a little bit at the end of chapter nine as well, which just has the the blessing. Uh, which is yeah. kind of interesting in it in itself. So, like how we how we get from kind of going going down and g- coming up out of Egypt to this point where um, it, it's just like uh, there's there's blessing, there's priesthood, there's intercession, there's authorized, unauthorized. I mean, it seems like kind of like a very different set of concerns. 
Well, and I think what it does is, especially as we step back to the really the end of chapter nine, we begin to, um, you know, there really is, it's just a continuation, right? So there's really no break between end of nine and 10. It's all kind of one continual, um, uh, I'm trying to struggle for the word here. It's, it's one, just kind of like uh, one long scene, yeah. Yeah, it's like one big thing playing out, and it's all happening. Yeah. There's There's not a time break in between. And what I think it, it does is it as we read these words, we'll begin to see up, uh, begin to see that there is this there, there's a pattern that unfolds, and it's a pattern of of blessing and rejoicing and punishment and sorrow. Um, that which is good, that which is which is bad, that kind of sets up the care um, for the people as as they can kind of continue on through the rest of the Old Testament. So uh, we get to a point. And if we start back at the end of chapter 9, we begin to see kind of the high point of the people, right? And then we have, well, start of 10, maybe not so high. In fact, it's probably a pretty stark, pretty shocking type of event that happens. But then there's learning and teaching and guiding that goes behind it in order that the people can still be held um, strong within their faith, strong within the leadership of those who are who are commanded to do certain things within the worship setting. Um, so it, it still kind of yeah. has this juxtaposition of, of even what what happens through the exile and, and you know, kind of commitment of God's people to, to kind of stepping aside from that and what happens in that. And then certainly as we look at this, you know, we, we don't just read Leviticus as something that happened in the past, but that it really has an equal... Um, reckoning back to Christ, that it really opens up that this does still pertain in perspective to who we are as Christians in end of 2020. Yeah. Well, thanks for that. And, and I think that that's, uh, that's really interesting, I think, um, coming off of the chapter in Genesis, because we saw how last time that Genesis 45 was very much, just felt so much like Easter. I mean, it, it, I was reflecting on it later, and I was like, you know, it's, it's sort of a wonder that scholars didn't go back and say, you know what, we actually think that, uh, I mean, I mean, this is like something that um, a lot of like modern scholarship has done, uh, that they didn't go back and say, you know what, we think that Genesis 45 was actually added later by the Christians as a, you know, a, a symbolic allegory that, to justify the resurrection or Easter, right? Like, <laughs> I was just thinking, like, I'm kind of surprised that like no one's like suggested that, because it's like, you go back and you're just like, wow, it's like, it's amazing um, just how clearly it seems to be, like, uh, you know, just that, that foreshadowing of, of the fulfillment of all these things. Um, but, but here, whereas you have those moments where it's like, uh, you know, just kind of like, it just leaps off the page is, is kind of like these, these fulfillments. These are kind of like you were saying, like, it kind of feels like the pattern. It feels kind of like the, the ups and downs kind of feels like the, 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 the day in the day out. Like this is a, this isn't the festival season of the church here. This is the ordinary time, right? Where sure. <laughs> it's like, it's like green on the altar for many, many Sundays in a row, and you get up to, like, you know, like, you know, for the, for the 23rd Sunday after Pentecost, I know, and it's just, it's that, it's that kind of constant, you know, pattern, like you were saying, of, uh, you know, blessing, rejoicing, punishment, mourning, uh, mm -hmm. growth, teaching, so it's, it's well, just kind of like, yeah, go ahead. And if you think it from the, the parallel of, you know, through, um, you know, judges and, and kings, you know, yeah. you see again that pattern of exactly. the Israelite people of, you know, being in favor in God's eyes, 
falling away. God has to have some redemption. Sometimes that is a you know a punishment from a conquering country like you know Babylon coming in and conquering. But it's this it's it's this constant like up and downhill, right? A time of in favor yep. with God. Well, I think we're in good, but we're going to go our own ways, which brings you down to the bottom. But then God has to step in, bring you back to the top. Um, it's kind of that same purpose, but. I, I think Leviticus chapter 10 is kind of a, a microchasm of that as it pertains strictly of how people will be cared for amongst, by the priests. And, yeah. and we see a little bit of, oh, well, here's a high point. Well, this is kind of a low point. This is what God has to say about it. Yeah. And this is how we're going to go forward to make sure that people are taught uh, and I don't want to jump too far ahead because I think there's some there's some beautiful contrast that happens in these kind of cryptic conversations that happen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. Let's let's go ahead and we'll, we'll go ahead and just give this a read through here. So this is a uh, Leviticus chapter ten, just giving us a little bit of a running start, um, starting at Leviticus chapter nine, verse twenty two here in the English Standard Version. Then Aaron lifted up his hands towards the people and blessed them. And he came down from offering the sin offering and the burnt offering and the peace offerings. And Moses and Aaron went into the tent of meeting. And when they came out, they blessed the people. And the glory of the Lord appeared to all the people. And fire came out from before the Lord and consumed the burnt offering and the pieces of fat on the altar. And when all the people saw it, they shouted and fell on their faces. Now, Nadab and Abihu, the sons of Aaron, each took his censer and put fire in it and laid incense on it and offered unauthorized fire before the Lord, which he had not commanded them. And fire came out from before the Lord and consumed them, and they died before the Lord. Then Moses said to Aaron, This is what the Lord has said. Among those who are near me I will be sanctified, and before all the people I will be glorified. And Aaron held his peace. And Moses called Mishael and Elzaphan, the sons of Uziel, the uncle of Aaron, and said to them, Come near, carry your brothers away from the front of the sanctuary and out of the camp. So they came near and carried them in their coats out of the camp, as Moses had said. And Moses said to Aaron and to Eleazar and Ithamar, his sons, Do not let the hair of your heads hang loose, and do not tear your clothes, lest you die, and wrath come upon the whole congregation. But let your brothers, the whole house of Israel, bewail the burning that the Lord has kindled. And do not go outside the entrance of the tent of meeting, lest you die, for the anointing oil of the Lord is upon you. And they did according to the word of Moses. And the Lord spoke to Aaron, saying, Drink no wine or strong drink, you or your sons with you, when you go into the tent of meeting, lest you die. It shall be a statute forever throughout your generations. You are to distinguish between the holy and the common, and between the unclean and the clean. And you were to teach the people of Israel all the statutes that the Lord has spoken to them by Moses. Moses spoke to Aaron and to Eleazar and Ithamar, his surviving sons, take the grain offering that is left of the Lord's food offerings and eat it unleavened inside, beside the altar, for it is most holy. You shall eat it in a holy place because it is your due and your son's due from the Lord's food offerings. For so I am commanded. But... The breast that is waved and the thigh that is contributed, you shall eat in a clean place, you and your sons and your daughters with you, for they are given as your due and your sons due. 
from the sacrifices of the peace offerings of the people of Israel. The thigh that is contributed and the breast that is waved, they shall bring with the food offerings of the fat pieces to wave for a wave offering before the Lord. And it shall be yours and your sons with you as a due forever, as the Lord has commanded. Now, Moses diligently inquired about the goat of the sin offering, and behold, it was burned up. And he was angry with Eleazar and Ithamar, the surviving sons of Aaron, saying, Why have you not eaten the sin offering in the place of the sanctuary, since it is a thing most holy and has been given to you that you may bear the iniquity of the congregation to make atonement for them before the Lord? Behold, its blood was not brought into the inner part of the sanctuary. You certainly ought to have eaten it in the sanctuary as I commanded. And Aaron said to Moses, Behold, Today they have offered their sin offering and their burnt offering before the Lord, and yet such things as these have happened to me. If I had eaten the sin offering today, would the Lord have approved? And when Moses heard that, he approved. I think it's really interesting, this chapter. Just uh, There's all these, I I guess, little uh, moments, and and, and, uh, I, I, I feel like the... What I'm thinking of is just kind of interests and concerns that numbers uh, in the parallel account doesn't really seem to get into. Like, you know, this uh, this last part, uh, it's kind of like Detective Moses, right? Like, it's like Moses yeah. is like interrogating people and he's like, hang on a second. Like, we just had an incident, right? I don't want to have to reset the count. You know, like, there's like a thing outside the, the tent of meeting that says, you know, like X many days without incident. And he's like, okay, seriously, guys, we just had to reset this with your brothers and now you come and do this right and, and it's uh and it's pretty interesting then the little exchange and it, it's it, you know so we got we got to get into this because i because i feel like it just kind of like goes over our heads and we're just like hang on what are they what are they, <laughs> what are they arguing about yeah, what's, what's like, what, what does aaron say yeah. to like change his mind um so so i mean it's just it's just really interesting to me how like there, there's there's this there's this kind of drama in this story that's unfolding um, because there's th- these really specific things that are uh, of of pretty significant concern. Yeah, well, and I and I think w- what's really neat about chapter ten is you begin to see this distinguishing of of offices between Moses and Aaron. So yeah. you have Moses as the lawgiver, right? So yeah. He is the one who is speaking on behalf of God of the laws that, that people are to follow, and Aaron is kind of the well, he's he's the priest. He's the high priest at the time. Yeah. But he's kind of the interpreter of it. Yeah. So it's like, okay, Moses, well, you've given me this authority, and I think we we can talk about that towards the end. But you have this distinction. Um, but what really caught me, if we go back, um, you know, to the beginning of this mm-hmm. of Nadab and Abihu, mm-hmm. you, you know, typically, you know, it's the high priest's job to be able to do what they were doing, and yet it, it appears that all three of them were anointed, kind of as Aaron and his two assistants. Hmm. Um, so it, it's really, a, it's an interesting kindling of offices in this time, which I think if we understand that Moses and Aaron are are really with two different offices, we begin to bring a little bit of clarity to the conversations that they're having. Well, and I, and I think that, you know, the, the way you're putting it there, I, I think that we appreciate the, the difficulty in our own modern context, right? I mean, this is separation of powers, right? Mm-hmm. And, and, we're, and we're no strangers to there being uh, 
friction, to put it mildly, right, between these different, you know, parts of a government. Because I mean, I guess this is this is a this is a key point, right? That I mean, this is the government of Israel. It's not as if there's, you know, these are just the the, the pastors, right, who are talking to each other. Um, but you know, there's some other like you know magistrate who's like in charge of all the the secular things. Like, no, like this is this is it. <laughs> it's it's you know it's it's Moses on one side and Aaron on the other. And and similarly, how to today we you know there's there's a there's difficulties and pushback and overturning and things that happen between the the uh, you know the Supreme Court or the Congress or the or the president, right? Like it's. Uh, I, I mean, you know, there's something like that going on here because when you separate things out, like, you know, they're, they're different human beings. And, yeah, there's going to be moments where you got to work through the those frictive moments, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, and then you then you bring it into context. And now now it's personal because it's in the family. Oh, so yeah. These instances that happen, Nabe and Abayu, you know, they're family. It's not that this has happened in some other to some other person, and you have to kind of judge and make rulings, you know, at some type of removed relationship. Um, no, there's a personal context to this, um, which, which you know, you, you bring in the, the personal side of what just happened, and it's like, holy cow, how, how are you even having these conversations at the time you, you see God's wrath come down and, like, devour, you know, Aaron, your two sons? Yeah, well, maybe maybe we'll just go ahead and start there. Actually, okay. then. So, I, I mean, because um, because I think that is that is for for me maybe maybe one of the first things that's just really striking about it. Um, it it's that you know Moses is is sort of like, hey guys, you can't mourn them, right? I, I mean, I I, th- I think that's kind of seems to be what the what the what the the gist of what he says, right? I mean, so I mean, first of all, I mean, he says this thing that just kind of feels like a like a proverb or like a. I mean, it feels kind of stoic, right? Like, among those who are near me, I will be sanctified before all the people, I will be glorified. So he kind of like, he kind of says this, This is which is kind of just comes out as a, I don't know, it, it feels like a very, like a very like level, very, very kind of solemn utterance of, of God here. It says Aaron, Aaron holds his peace, right? Um, but then the instruction, right? Like when he says, don't let your hair... Uh, uh, the hair of your heads hang loose. Don't tear clothes. I, I mean, he's like saying, like you, you guys need to just do your job, and and, and not go and just fall apart here. Even though your family, you're, you're like you just saw your brothers die or your sons die, right? Like that's not for you. We'll have the other people. It says, bewail the burning that the Lord has kindled. Like so, what what do you what do you make of this? This like. I mean, because it it can it can kind of come across as like unfeeling that like they don't get to mourn their their family members. So I think to best understand or see the importance and the strength of those words from Moses in verse three, you have to go back to the end of chapter nine with what we started out by reading, yep. because there in that picture you see, you know, you see the power and the strength of God, but it's not in a way that is. Um, judgmental. It's not a wrath move at that point. You see that God has found, you know, favor in, in what they're out. And, you know, the, the it, verse 24 says, fire came out from the presence of the Lord, consumed the burnt offerings and the fat pieces on the altar. And when the people saw it, they weren't afraid. They're like, wow, God is pleased with what we're doing here. Yeah. You know, so so then when this event happens, 
where, you know, Nadab and Abihu, they mess up. It's a switch, okay? It's a switch now that the fire comes out again, but it's not in a time, it's not a move of grace. It's not a move of being, being uh, affirming their sacrifice. Now it's wrath and anger. Right. And I think the words that Moses then says, that this is what the Lord says, among those who are near to me, I will be sanctified and before all the people. They're like, think about what just happened. Let's not focus on the punishment. Remember just a few minutes ago when God's glory was here in grace because of how you brought offerings and how you treated the holiness and, and, and these sanctified offerings. Um, mm-hmm. It's kind of a transitional stage, but it's 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 an interestingly placed statement. Yeah, well, and then I think as you're as you're saying here, it, it takes us really then like going deeper to understand. Okay, so what what exactly is it that they that they did or that they thought they were doing? Uh, I think, but we got to take a short break here. But everybody, hold on. We're looking at Leviticus chapter ten here on Thy Strong Word, and we'll be right back. On this Wednesday, November 25th, 2020, KFUO Radio thanks our day sponsors, the Hemi and Hilmer families. The Hemi and Hilmer families made a gift to KFUO Radio in loving memory of their father, Herbert Hilmer, their brother, Bert Hilmer, and their mother, Aurelia Hilmer, who are all in their heavenly home with their Savior, Jesus Christ. Once again, we say thank you to the Hemi and Hilmer families for helping us share the gospel and for being today's KFUO day sponsors. Even in these uncertain times, Missouri lawyers are here to help. If your income has been impacted by the current global crisis, or if you qualify as a low-income household, you can have your legal questions answered for free at missouri.freelegalanswers.org. You can ask up to five questions, and they'll be answered by a lawyer licensed in Missouri at no cost to you. Missouri lawyers want you to know you are not alone. Get free answers to your legal questions at missouri.freelegalanswers.org. Brought to you by the Missouri Bar. How do I keep my kids in church? Will there still be a church for them to go to? New people have moved into my neighborhood. How do I reach out to them? Our challenges are many, but it is Jesus who makes disciples for life through his church. Let's come together as the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod to discuss this joyful work. Learn more about the Making Disciples for Life initiative at lcms.org slash making disciples. Again, that's lcms.org slash making disciples. Welcome back, everybody. Welcome back to Thy Strong Word. We're looking at Leviticus chapter 10 here. Uh, bre- breaking this down, you know, what Nadab and Abihu, the two eldest sons of Aaron, did, um, and, and how Moses reacts, and, and how we see these, these two pillars here uh, in the community of God's people, Moses and Aaron, uh, work together, each in their own uh, distinct roles, 
very, very interesting moment here, and just trying to kind of piece this together. We're joined by our guest, Pastor Nate Ruback, pastor at Grace Lutheran Chapel in Bellefontaine Neighbors, Missouri. If you've got a question for me or Pastor Ruback, give us a call if you're listening live, 1-800-730-2727, or if you're in St. Louis, 314-821-0850. You can also send an email to kfuo at kfuo.org. Or just put your comment or question right there in the live stream, facebook.com slash AJ Espinosa. Uh, another question here in verse 16 uh, and the following, it seems like Moses is like quality control uh, for priestly actions. Is that what he did? Um, when the priests didn't have uh, Moses to do that, uh, is that what led to the decay um, that we observe in Israel's worship? I mean, yeah, yeah it's interesting. I mean, I mean, um, you know, earlier, Pastor Ruback, you mentioned uh, how you could kind of see this pattern continuing on, this pattern um, into like judges and kings, right? And 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 you and you saw we saw when we're going through like First and Second Samuel, there, there is there is still even in that time like a kind of interplay where there's this kind of back and forth between um, you know the the king, the the prophets. Um, you, you've got like you know seers, and there's there's, there's distinctions among the priestly class, right? Like, um, it, it seems like that kind of like that bouncing back and forth and that, that kind of, um, uh, the checks and balances thing, like it, like it does continue, but clearly it doesn't work quite the same way. Right. Yeah. And, and I think when we look at, um, specifically what's going on in the conversations between Aaron and Moses, uh, Michiel, uh, or I'm sorry, um, the two other sons, um, Eleazar and Ithamar, we kind of, we see, we do see a reset, or it's a, it's kind of driving home the purpose of, I think what an overarching theme of this whole chapter is, is distinguishing between what is clean and unclean, what is good and what is wrong, what is holy and what is not holy. Um, and And I think what begins to happen, you know, the reason that Nadab and Abihu are, are burned up in front of the people by this consuming fire of the Lord is the fact that they went outside what was considered a holy action for incense. You know, it was something that, that, that made that offering unclean. So right. everything that then comes down in these subsequent conversations are, are Moses saying, hey guys, remember there are things that have, God has set us apart well, that overflows into our time of worship, of how we distinguish between places that are unclean within within the, the the meeting place and that which is unclean. I mean, that's why the bodies are carried out, right? Yeah. Uh, a, a corpse is going to defile and make that place unclean. So it wasn't a matter of, well, you need to get rid of them because we're mad at what they did. No, it's a move to keep what is already sacred, sacred. Yeah. Uh, I think that's really, I was going to say, I think that's really helpful. I mean, just to to understand that, that, okay, like what, what they, their, their, their error, right? Like, like from, and cause like you were saying, Moses is like this, this teaching authority, right? Mm -hmm. Um, and and yes, it's left to Aaron to kind of like work through kind of like the, the, the practical kind of like carrying it out and, and maybe even some of the interpretation, right? But, but Moses is teaching, and so for Moses' part, it's like, okay, you guys did this. We apparently need to revisit the lesson on clean and unclean, because yeah. if we had had that down, you wouldn't have done this, right? And, and so when he goes to—it says specifically, right, that he goes to um, 
uh, I feel like it like really like mentions, right? There's in verse six, right? And Moses said to Aaron and Eliezer and Ithamar, his sons, right? And it's sort of like, hang on, guys, please. I want you two because you're the only two sons left <laughs> to understand the clean and unclean distinction or else Aaron's left without no sons. Right. So we, we've got to make sure that you two get this right. Absolutely. And it's not, it, it, it's, it's harsh words. Verse six is a harsh. If you look at it simply from the, the grieving standpoint in a command, yeah. you know, it's a pretty harsh verse. Well, yeah. what do you mean that Aaron and Eliezer and Ithamar aren't supposed to grieve? Yeah. So he's not saying don't, grieve, he wants them to understand that if you loose your hair, if you become disheveled, if you tear your clothes, it, you, will bring, you will bring judgment upon yourself because now you've defiled the holy place. Now you are no longer able to enter into the tent of meeting as someone who is set aside, yeah. who has this purpose. Um, and, and again, by saying, let your brothers, the whole house of Israel, mourn. Yeah. Let these people take that spot and, and mourn for you because you still have a responsibility. And it's a responsibility not just so you guys don't get burned up by the Lord's wrath, but that you can continue to serve God's people in the position in which you are anointed to do. Yeah. he's And I think that's just so key to see, right? That, that when, when, you, when you're talking about this whole clean and unclean thing, right? It's because— mm-hmm. The stuff that we're dealing with is is bigger than it's bigger than us, right? It's it's bigger than just the stuff that you you, you see with your eyes and that, that you smell with your nose. Like it, it, there's more to it than that, um, yeah, and it's stuff that involves. That's right. That's right. Like it like it means more than that, and because it means more than that. Um, you, you you can't just selfishly say like oh well I'm I'm you know like I'm really sad and devastated so you know uh, you know to, to heck with you know all the the standards and rules and protocols N- no like the people of God need you 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 are you are standing for more than that this isn't like oh well like you know Aaron and his sons gave me permission this is this is God right I mean like I'm, I'm reminded about how um, in our in our practice of confession and absolution. Like when we do like private confession and absolution, um, and, even, and even in some of our rites, I think uh, a public, um, the pastor asks, like, "Do you believe that my forgiveness is God's forgiveness?" And, and the penitent says, "I do." Right, and, and then the response is, "Well, may it be done for you as you believe." And, and like, there's there's this moment, right, where it's like the the, the pastor has got to be approaching this. The people have got to be approaching this as. God is acting here, right? And, and I think it goes back sure. to what you were saying with the end of, of uh, chapter nine, right? It's like Nadab and Abihu were acting like, I don't know, like if they just follow the magic recipe or something, they're going to get a happy result. But it's like, no, this is God who is doing the fire stuff. Like, what do you think is going to happen? Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. If you think you're going to over, if, that, that you're going to be able to sidestep God's commands, I, I mean, you're you're kind of a fool for that. And I mean, and it, and it leads to their ultimate demise, their consumption before the fire. I do find it very interesting that, you know, if, if we understand that to the end of chapter nine to the beginning of verse 10, as one big scene, yeah. I mean, literally they go from, again, rejoicing and for joy at the presence of God consuming a, a sacred um, or a heartfelt offering to then in the next scene, uh, the the complete flip side of God's wrath. Yeah, this something that you know, and and again, this 
while we have basically Aaron um, and Moses, Eleazar, and Ithamar as, as kind of the main characters in this chapter, all these people are seeing this. This is meant yeah. to be an example to to everybody that's there. This isn't this isn't like in the back of an interrogation room. This is all happening in oh, front yeah. of others, which yeah. I think is is really powerful to understanding what's happening. And it's also then a a a big um, witness to the people that are there as both Aaron and Moses have subsequent um, conversation. Also, we have in verse 8, we have the one and only time in which the Lord speaks directly to Aaron. Hmm. You know, and Aaron has these words of command. And, you know, people are seeing this like, oh, wow, I guess this is more than just a ceremonial practice. This is actually like real stuff yeah. and important stuff. And God's like paying attention to it. It's it's one of those eye-opening opportunities to those who are seeing and experience this. The brothers who are supposed to grieve, they they're right there. They don't have to go out and tell them. They see. Yeah, it. yeah. Well, no, no, I, I think I think that's really um, I think I think that's really a fair way of taking this. I mean, chapter ten. Um, you, you know, it's it's interesting because, like in translation, it kind of signals like there's some kind of break. Like now. Nadab and Abihu, the sons of Aaron, right? Like, like it's kind of like some kind of like side story about these two guys. Um, yeah. But, but in the Hebrew, it's like, and then Nadab and Abihu picked up their censers, and like, like you know, it's just kind of like the next, like you were saying, like the next kind of like moment in the sequence, right? Like, it's like we're doing yeah. this ceremony, um, and the, the ceremony is like you, you do this stuff, and the the fire of God comes out. Right. And so they, they, they go and they do it. It's like, okay, so the fire of God comes out and it's like, okay, well, here's the nature of fire, right? <laughs> like fire has to burn something. Like I, like, I feel like this is like, you know, what the, like the firefighters do when they come out to the schools, right? And they like, you know, they talk to you about the different parts of like fire and they talk about fuel, right? <laughs> like there needs sure. to be fuel. So it's going to burn something guys. Right. And, and so it's like, I mean, I, I think this is the, the hard lesson, right? It's like, Okay, if if you if you're calling down fire, it's going to burn something. Something. And yeah. and it's like, well, you've kind of left the fire no choice, right? Because there's no offering um that has been duly sacrificed for this to happen. So, it's like you you, you I mean I mean I mean it really is something how it's like Nadab and Abihu are really bringing it on themselves. Oh, um, absolutely. Like, this this isn't this isn't like God was like like, oh man, I'm gonna really just make an example of them. I'm gonna throw down like fire from heaven. It's like, no, they 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 asked for the fire. Oh yeah, they brought it on themselves. And and what's interesting is we don't know where they got the fire from. You know, typically hmm. the you know, the incense burned by the high priest would have been taken from the coals twice a day. Well, we don't we just know it's an unauthorized fire. So it's not a fire that traditionally would have been used in any time of type of, of sacrifice. We see it there as kind of the first misstep. Well, it, it's kind of like not taking things within, uh, well, within the sacrifice or even within our worship service, just kind of taking them as what they are and, and forgetting that they actually have a purpose or a meaning behind it. Um, mm-hmm. But we also don't know why they did it. Yeah. Or what led them to it, you know, verse 8, I mean, when when the Lord speaks to Aaron and says, no drink, no drink, no wine or strong drink, okay, were they inebriated? 
Who knows? Right. The Bible doesn't tell us that. But it is pretty interesting that he goes back and has some pretty pointed words to Aaron. Don't do this, okay? Make sure you're sober-minded. This is how you act. Um, distinguish between what is clean and unclean. Um, and then teach the people about it. This isn't just for you, but you also, this is something that, that is, as my chosen people, you are going to have to, in your life, distinguish with what is clean and unclean. So, you know, and there's always the separation within Scripture of, of, of clean people versus unclean people, or clean sacrifices versus unclean sacrifices. Um, all yeah. of those things, even within the morning, would have made somebody considered unclean. One who's, uh, I read one commentator that said that those who had leprosy were supposed to keep their hair loose. They were supposed to be disheveled because they were supposed to say, hey, I'm unclean, leave me alone. Right. Yeah, yeah, that's right. So. Yeah, well, no, so that's so that I think really gets back to like just kind of fundamentally like just so, so much about this, like like the way they're dressed, the way they conduct themselves, the things they do, the things they say, all of it is saying something about God. Like they are the picture book in front of an illiterate society that is the living Bible, right? Like I'm, I'm reminded of a uh, back in St. Louis, there was a, there was a congregation every year that did like a, a living nativity scene, right? That was really, really well done, really neat. Um, and, and I went to that a couple times and it was just like, like there it was. Right. And, and so it's like, it's just so important what everyone is doing, um, you know, with, with, with the hair, with the clothes, with, with, the, I mean, the, the, also about the incense, right. We saw that in Exodus, how like there were like chapters about like how, hang on this particular, uh, ointment, th- this is only going to be used for this particular, um, stuff here because it represents the presence of God himself, right? So you can't just use it. And so all this clean, unclean stuff, um, really it's, it's saying like, Hey, th- this, this is what God is doing. When we're talking about clean things, it's like, you know, this is, this is what God is up to, to, to forgive, to, to judge, right? When we talk about like unclean, we're talking about, you know, this is, this is like kind of the stuff that's in common to all mankind. It, it, it's not, you know, God coming in a, in a, in a special way, um, in these special moments of revelation. So it's like, if you get the clean, unclean thing wrong, it's like, I, I mean, I don't know. It's like, it's like taking the Bible and just like running a Sharpie all over it or, or like, yeah. Yeah. Uh, or just, uh, I don't know, just, or just like stuffing a bunch of like, I don't know, random newspaper clippings in the Bible and saying there's no distinction between the words of God and just the thing I thought of yesterday. Right. Well, and, and I think that, I mean, we see witness to that with another, you know, uh, church bodies at times too, that there's this pick and choose of what is authoritative in scripture and what isn't, you know, we make that distinction or, or others yeah. make that distinction all the time. Right. And the reality is, is no, these are God's words. Yeah. You know, I, I, walking through uh, confirmation with our sixth, seventh and eighth graders, it's, it's like, guys, these words are like legit words. These are God's words. They are holy words. They are inerrant words. They are inspired words. This is God talking to you. This isn't a book like you pick off, off from the library. You know, and, and That's right. when we hear God speak in these manners in, in chapter 10, these are God's words. This isn't something that, that Moses and Aaron are making up. It has a purpose to it. Well, and so then I, I think then this maybe can help us try to make some sense of what's going on in those verses then that follow. So like, so, okay, 
you have this in verse uh, nine about you know drinking the wine, right? Mm -hmm. um, and then r right after that, um, there's kind of more kind of a kind of a general way about this, and then we get into verse twelve about the the grain offering, um, and after that we get the the the, the breast, right? Uh, the breast yep. and, and the thigh, and so and so I feel like what you have there is a and, and what it seems to me is like what we're talking about is kind of like a natural, like, okay, guys, look, we've got to get this clean and unclean thing straight. And so here's how we do clean and unclean correctly when it comes to wine. Here's how we do clean and unclean correctly when it comes to the grain offering. Um, and here's how we do this correctly when it comes to uh, the, the thigh, the wave offering and, and the rest. So when I look at it that way, I'm seeing it not so much as like, these two were drunk or something, but that rather, I mean, cause, cause what's interesting, right. About the point in verse, uh, uh, verse nine is like, I don't, it's, I, I feel like almost when we read it, we're, we're like our brains almost want to do this thing where we just, uh, leave out the second half of the verse. <laughs> so, oh, sure. so it says, so it says, drink no wine or strong drink. You or your sons with you forever. Right. Like, and we just kind of like, like, yeah, like, like it's like, like it's almost Nazarite. Right, right, right. But it says when you go into the tent of meeting, like the focus is on when you're there, don't do that there. That's not the right place for that. So implication, do that elsewhere. Yeah. And I think that in, in that understanding is what, what makes that, which, that would, which makes them clean and available to do their priestly duties. Okay. So it, and it, and that just flows that, that when you go into the tent of meeting flows into the grain offerings, into the meat offerings, right? It's that which keeps clean from unclean separated because there were, there were times where there were drink offerings that were just simply poured out. Yeah. And then there were those that were to be consumed by the priests in the same way of the grain offerings um, that were meant to be consumed in the most holy place, in the tent of meeting. But then there were those that were, okay, well, these aren't the holy of the high holiest of, of offerings. These are also meant then for you to take out for your family, but it still has to be done in a clean place. As, as not to defile what was used to give back or honor the Lord. Right. Yeah. So it's, no, not a, I, it's not a yes or no. It's a be appropriate and yep. understand what's appropriate in that moment. And, and that's, and that's so big, right? Because it just, it just, uh, it, it just flies. And I think we, we just don't appreciate it, but it just flies in the face of the prevailing polytheistic view of the world, which was that, you know, there's, there's gods of this and there's gods of that. And there's like good things that are aligned with these gods over here. And there's bad things that are aligned with these gods over here. And, and that the polytheistic worldview had this, had this understanding that like some things are inherently good and some things are inherently bad. And so, uh, and so you see this, uh, you know, and it just, I mean, it gets recycled in like in every generation and every era, right? Um, around the time of, uh, I mean, around the time of the, the Lord and the apostles, right, in, the, in their ministry there in, in Judea, you know, you were dealing with, like, the rise of, uh, the, the rise of Gnosticism, and after yep. that, Manichaeism, and people were, like, saying, like, oh, well, meat's bad, right, or alcohol is bad, right, and, and to these days, it's like, well, we're kind of going through something similar maybe again. Sure. And, and, and it's, like, kind of, like, the, the, the same sort of thing. It's, like, we want to blame the thing, Right. And say like, oh, it's like this or that. But but like all throughout this whole clean, unclean distinction is saying, wait, no, 
Like wine is good. God made it. You know, meat is good. God made it. Like the, the, the point is how you're using it and what it says most importantly about God. So I feel like all this language really is a way of uh, affirming God is sovereign over all this stuff, like all of it, because it's all from him. Mm-hmm. Well, in you know what? What a, what a perfect kind of carryover to what we're going to celebrate tomorrow, right? Yeah. So we, yeah. we celebrate a Thanksgiving where we understand that everything that we have, everything that we are, everything that we're given is not just simply because we live here or we're justified for it, you know, to it, but no, they're gifts. And they're meant to be respected in that way. I mean, our understanding of what, you know, stewardship is of, of everything we're given, of ourselves, of our possessions, of our time, it isn't because we're somehow better, but no, it's the understanding these are gods and, and, and that they're, they're sanctified by God and meant to yeah. be used with a purpose and for a purpose. Um, yeah, and, and I think that, that that point, like, that's just, that's an excellent point that, like you are saying, I think it ties into uh, our lives today and to what we do with, like, th- something like Thanksgiving. Um, and then I, I think uh, back, well I, well, I mean, someone will say that, like, oh, Pastor AJ, everything goes back to 1 Corinthians for you. And they wouldn't be wrong, right? But, like, so, like, what Paul says in 1 Corinthians, where, where he's talking about, so what do you do with your freedom, right? With what you eat or with yeah. what you drink, right? And he says, well, the most important thing is what it says about God, right? And so, like, if, if I eat meat or if I don't eat meat or if I drink wine or if I don't drink wine, right? And the, and the problem is, for this person over here, it's going to say this about God, and it's like like it's going to say a falsehood. It's going to speak heresy to that person about God. Then I'm not going to do it because the most important thing I can do with all these things that God's given me in this life is use them to give Him glory and to to teach and to show the truth about God. And it's just not worth it to use this freedom or to hang on to this freedom or say, oh, I don't I don't like how they took away my freedom or how they're trying to tell me how to live my life. And like, no, the most important thing is give God the glory. Yeah. And, and how does then God God's actions in your life spill over into your everyday witness? You know, it, it, same thing with, with Paul in much of Paul's writings. It's 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 the old adage of, of actions speak louder than words. And, yeah. and if you think that people aren't watching you, you're fooling yourself. And if nope. you think people aren't casting judgment, good or bad, yeah. you're fooling yourself. And it is to it is kind of in order to live in the freedom that Christ gives you, but that freedom should lead you to see others before yourself. And I think right. this speaks to that, right? These actions that they're doing as priests, Yes, is for their benefit, but it also speaks to the people that it's serving. It speaks to them to to witness to who God is and to what God, you know, he says, um, I lost my spot here. <laughs> um, oh, well, I, I, I was going to say, if you taught. Yes. Sorry, I cut you off. <laughs> Yeah, well, well, I was going to say, like, if if you need a second to like go find your spot, like, 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 I think that um, for me, like, this moment reminds me of what we saw in the giving of the Decalogue with Moses around like chapter, I think it was like around chapter twenty. Um, I think maybe it was like right beforehand, but the instruction that was given to Moses was like, okay, you can come up onto the mountain, and I think it was like, uh, I think I'm trying to remember if it was like Aaron could come or like Joshua could come, but it was like a very specific 
like 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 one or two others got to go up like a certain level right um but he said then like but then as for the other like priests right like if you look closer at the hebrew it says they need to maintain their their sanctification their um their consecration by not approaching right like the, the way that those priests are going to stay holy is just by staying away right and so there's like there's a distinction that's made and i feel like this is like where where nadab and habu who get it wrong because they act as if well hey we're priests too right oh, we sure. also yeah, have the special oil the right like yeah they make the mistake of saying like this is like like, like, like it's categories. It's like, well, we have the right, right? And it's like, that's not the point. The point was God gave specific instructions. I mean, yeah. it's like with Saul and um, and Samuel, where, where Saul, like, he, he goes ahead and he offers a sacrifice, right? And it's like, well, of course kings have the right to offer sacrifices, except that Samuel said in this case not to do it, right? So, I mean, that's just that's just the problem. It's like, is that we, we go and we do this thing and we're like, well, we have the right and, and we do this and we want to draw lines. But the point is always, if you have a clear word from God, you just obey. That's the important thing. Sure. Yeah, it's the casting off of oneself. You know, it's it's that, it's the old, it's it's that strong human sin, right? It's 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 the all about me. And if I have this title or I have what yeah. I even perceive to be an authority, well, I can do it. Well, no. Yep. Right. <laughs> it's often scripture points us out to the fact that no, you can't do whatever you want to do for the sake of doing it. Oh, that's right. So, so then, so then, just really quickly, then um, th- th- maybe this is like too unfair. So, at the end, uh, <laughs> just really quickly. So, what what's going on then? Like, what? Why is Aaron like have to kind of like rein in Moses? It seems almost, or or at least kind of like say, well, Moses, maybe it's not so bad. Like, what what is Aaron's point? Well, I think Aaron's point is, is he's kind of stepping up in his authority. He understands, um, you know, there's there's no coincidence that this comes that this kind of conversation comes after the fact that the Lord speaks directly to Aaron. Aaron has some authority in this and has some perspective and decision that he can bring. And I think Moses finally sees, okay, Aaron, now I think you're stepping into your role. Now you see. Uh, what's happening in the fact that God has given you this authority to be able to lead as high priest. Right. He's, he's, he's making it about the command, right, that God gave him a command. And, and that is even more important than, than Moses, right? I mean, so I, I, think, I think you're right. It's like this moment where they're saying, hey, it's not really about either you or me. It is about something bigger than ourselves. Thank you so yep. much, brother. Um, you know, d- difficult stuff here in Leviticus, but I think you it really helps to put the pieces to together. Strong word. Everybody, Pastor Nate Ruback, Grace Lutheran Chapel, Bellefontaine, Neighbors, Missouri. Have a happy and safe Thanksgiving. Get a flu shot. Until next week, I'm Pastor Asia Espinosa. Peace. For this program to continue, you can make a gift safe, secure, and easily online at kfuo.org. Thank you for listening and supporting Thy Strong Word.